Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we discussed some of the lessons we hope we've all learned from the fall of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic. The need, for example, for new higher limits for FDIC and SIPC. For greater transparency when it comes to bank balance sheets. Who's really to blame? And the consequences those responsible, in my opinion at least, deserve. We pose the question, whose money is it anyway? And explored some alternatives and actions investors might take when looking for higher yield and preservation of capital. And as always, we did our best to explain the pros and cons of each. This week, we're going to assume for the moment we're heading into recession and want to offer more in the way of what to do if it happens. With the Fed hiking rates another 25 basis points to five and a quarter percent and more bank failures before and afterwards, the bond market is betting it will lead to recession and the Fed will have to pivot by reducing rates as soon as July, which would be the most abrupt policy shift in nearly four decades. And add to that talk of the president invoking the 14th Amendment, Section 4, theoretically gives the president power over Congress to make sure our debt is in good order. Well, as the debt ceiling discussion drags on, it's only adding gas to the flame. And it's all a dangerous game to be playing. And my question is, doesn't our House and Senate understand that we must pay our bills on time and in full? Wait, does that mean you think it's all the Republicans' fault that we're in this fix? What I mean is our Congress does have to use their power of the purse and pay our bills. And if they want to negotiate to cut spending, they shouldn't wait until the 11th hour. Because in doing so, they've eroded worldwide confidence in us. And it's why the dollar has already fallen versus the euro and the yen this year. I have to disagree. There's no way I trust Democratic leadership under Schumer in the Senate and Jeffries in the House to deal fairly with Republican demands once Republicans, as the minority, lose this leverage. That is, if Republicans agree to pass the budget without caveat. Since 1960, Congress has acted 78 times to raise, extend, or revise the debt limit with changes dictated by the minority party. 49 times under Republican presidents and 29 under Democratic. In other words, it's not only common, unfortunately... Given that Democrats have challenged Republican budgets almost twice as many times, using this same tool for Biden, Schumer, and Jeffries to refuse to negotiate because it's supposedly outrageous even to consider, it's preposterous. 
Second, when it comes to the $1.2 trillion so-called Inflation Reduction Act that was passed by Congress and signed by Biden in August 2022, it was done without a single Republican vote in the House or Senate. Same for the $2.2 trillion Build Back Better Act passed in November 2021. Again, without a single Republican vote. In other words, when either side has a majority, they tend to abuse their power and force through their own agenda, not giving a hoot what the other side has to say. Compromise simply isn't a consideration. So please, everyone, stop pontificating. Unless the minority has some leverage, which now unfortunately only seems to be when it's something as critical as the debt ceiling, that's been the only way for the minority to be heard and have any say at all for years. The truth is, I agree with you. This has to change. But not because the Republicans cave. Once this is over, we need to enact a new law that requires the budget to be balanced from day one, where any spending increase going forward is capped, and for every new dollar spent, a dollar must be cut from some other existing program, like in the movie Dave with Kevin Klein, from programs that have proven ineffective or have served their purpose and are no longer needed, so we're not wasting taxpayer dollars and adding to our deficit. Well, I'm sure this won't be the last time that we'll be debating this, but I will say that our leaders, they need to take Finance 101. I'd say, since every household and business must balance their budget, you're not wrong about what you say we need to do. It's just, how do we get there? In the meantime, let's return to the topic to talk about recession. It's possible we're already in one, and perhaps we have been for some time. By this, I'm referring to the notion of a rolling recession, where successive sectors and industries have been going through downturns, one after the other, ever since the outbreak of COVID and the first lockdowns on March 15, 2020. Just think about what happened to retail, so dependent on walk-in traffic from everything like hair salons and restaurants and to our nation's malls. According to the Wall Street Journal, there were more than 200,000 extra closures during the pandemic's first year alone, and according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 49.8 million Americans were thrown out of work by May of 2020. And let's consider the employers who've been forced to close locations or their businesses altogether through no fault of their own. Industry after industry, because of lockdowns, supply chain disruptions, or disputes with China, They've been forced to downsize from the banks and other financial service firms to hospitals, healthcare providers, and to the consumer and non-durable goods companies and their distributors from CVS to Amazon. So again, the recession may already be underway as witnessed by the bankruptcies, layoffs, and closures in selected industries one after the other, and if so... This could actually be good news as an indication that our economy is able to adjust and to move forward haltingly or not. As you said, management will continue to cut costs, lay off workers, 
and increasingly switch their focus to AI and automation as the technology develops to replace workers altogether, perhaps more efficiently and with fewer disruptions. You've long been a cheerleader, Lori, for our younger millennials and Gen Z workforce, both because of their numbers and their skills in high tech to propel countries like ours, India and Israel, forward toward new industries and careers. And I hope you're right. We need them to engage in a positive way. But for the moment, I'm concerned. As I discuss at length in my new Echoes article titled Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs about the influence our progressive education system has been exerting on them. But in this podcast, our aim is to offer suggestions where investors might turn as we will be in months ahead. As we've been saying, for example, it makes sense to begin raising cash, perhaps as much as 10 or 15%, and setting some of it aside in one to two year T-bills, earning four to 5%, both to build a reserve in case of future disruption and because we're finally getting paid to wait. We've mentioned hedge funds with a caveat that many of them are closet, long-only stock portfolios that base their trading on momentum. But our interest has always been on those few that over many years have proven their ability to go long and short and, in so doing, ride out the periodic market downturns with a positive return. The issue with them, however, is first, an investor typically sacrifices some degree of liquidity and must tie their money up for a more extended period of time. And second, they're notoriously late in delivering even their preliminary K-1s, which can be frustrating. But from a long-term total return perspective, we both think one must take the right ones into consideration when possible. We think that now is the time to begin setting money aside for opportunities in distressed debt as businesses are forced to liquidate, merge, or raise new capital to survive. And then there's small cap stocks with the recent collapse in IPOs and the entire SPAC stock space. There will, as always, be hidden gems that will become our next leaders, as we saw with Apple and Microsoft and technology and Amgen and Biogen and biotechnology in the late 90s and early 2000s after those bubbles burst. Downturns like these allow great companies who can survive to shine and gain market share. But you have to be careful, either by adding this exposure through a broader index or with a manager who has expertise and experience managing through a downturn themselves, because there will be plenty of blowups. That I can promise you. Sector-wise, as we've said on other occasions, we'll certainly want to focus on things like cybersecurity and automation and artificial intelligence, whether as the creators or beneficiaries. But the dearth of affordable housing and the return to work, which I think will happen, argue for paying attention to all the damage happening now in commercial real estate, not just in office space, but in others as well, such as senior-assisted living centers where higher interest rates are causing stress. And if the pandemic taught us anything, the longer-term cost of delaying preventative and necessary medical care has added to our country's losses in lives and productivity at a time when the U.S. needs to excel, to remain competitive on the world stage. Defense, of course, will be critical. Whether to defend ourselves and our allies in case of need or as a warning, 
To those who might be thinking, now might be a time to start something. But another favorite of mine is small business lending, using senior secured floating rate debt, in which the lender is first in line to take control of the business should the worst occur. For this to be successful, however, make sure the company has teams with deep benches in place, with expertise in whatever industries they're lending to, and that they themselves have deep pockets and reserves to pick and choose over the years ahead. And finally, there's agriculture. This, as we've discussed before, is an incredibly important industry, both for our survival as a nation and the many innovations we see beginning to take place from drought-resistant crops to food by design to a new generation of tech-savvy young farmers who are beginning to reinvent large-scale ag by analyzing data, whether it's gathered from tractors, drones, or satellites, to track things like crop health and thereby improve their planting decisions. But it's a difficult one to make money in. So please stay tuned as we both search for good ways to play it. In the meantime, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed what you heard. And if you did, you'll share it with friends and family so they can enjoy it too. This is Lori Cammy at Barnaby Levin for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable, and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. 